Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg, where psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics and shares biblically-based psychological strategies for living well and staying safe. Now, here is your host of Living Well with Dr. Peg, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Good afternoon and welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg. You know, it's virtually impossible to get through the day without logging into social media to check notifications, like a photo, or make a comment on a friend's post. But what about the digital footprint that we leave behind? How can we manage our online digital reputation, and does it really matter? What do you and your children need to know about the power of social media? Well, my guest today has important answers. I'm with Nick Scott, a renowned media personality and social media strategist. We'll hear from Nick and also find out why she's been named one of Colorado's top 25 most powerful women in 2018. But first, today's show is brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who has the only advanced safety education training program of its kind with an accredited CEU. To learn more about SSI Guardian, Go to SSIGuardian.com and tell them Dr. Pegg sent you. Our show is pre-recorded today, but you can always listen to Living Well with Dr. Pegg every Thursday from 1 to 2 p.m. Mountain, right here on KLZ 560 and online at DrPegRadio.com. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, check out my program archives at DrPegRadio.com. Well, I'm excited to have on the show, back on the show really, a woman I've admired since I first heard about her and was fortunate enough to eventually meet her in person and honored now to call her my friend. She's Nick Scott, founder of Scott Media LLC. And you may have watched one of her YouTube videos, which have been viewed nearly 16 million times. And much of the content she produces focuses on natural hair and beauty and lifestyle. I like to call her a young Martha Stewart. But what she really hopes her audience leaves with our seeds of confidence, self-love, and empowerment. And Nick currently works at University of Denver and is the founding director of the nonprofit She Thing, Inc. And we'll learn more about that later. She's also been named one of Colorado's top 25 most powerful women. But most importantly, Nick is a wife and mother and, in my opinion, an all-around fabulous person. Nick Scott, thanks for being back on the show with me today. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Dr. Pegg. Thank you again for the invitation, and thank you for that beautiful introduction. Well, yeah, it's, it's heartfelt. I admired you from afar uh, before I actually met you in person. We have some mutual friends and acquaintances, and it's just been a pleasure to get to know you and kind of see your... Um, your path and, and your journey and some of the changes that you've made and the impact you're having uh, locally and, and literally around the world through your, your uh, social media presence. This is true. Thank you so much. And I admire you as well. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, we're going to talk today about how important it is for all of us, and especially I think our children, to manage our di digital reputation on social media. I've had um, other guests on the show to talk about um, uh, something as, as um, serious as cyber sexual assault, which she called cyber rape. Mm -hmm. um, we've ha I've had guests on uh, someone known as the cyber, um, the cyber cop, and um, uh, it's just such an important topic, especially for our kids, but I think adults need the reminders as well. Uh, but before we talk about the power of social media, I first want to talk about uh, how powerful you are, that uh, <laughs> you're getting ready to be honored in February, just a couple of weeks from now, as one of the of, uh, the Colorado Women's Chamber of Commerce 2018 Top 25 
most powerful women. Yes. And I'm so glad I booked this interview before I found out uh, about this honor because you might not have been available. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. So the top 25 most powerful women in Colorado was something that wasn't even on my radar. Mm -hmm. I was actually nominated. It wasn't a self-nomination, which I think I might start taking advantage of those more (laughs) often, but um, I was actually nominated and it wasn't until the chamber started reaching out to me Mm -hmm. to get more information. And initially I'm like, what is this? Why are you asking me these questions? And then they were so eager to inform me that I had been selected as one of the top 25 most powerful women in the state of Colorado the entire state of Colorado and looking back at the past this is their sixth year I believe that they have been doing this and just looking back at the past recipients it's such an honor and I am so humbled to be amongst the names and standing right next to this year so many other esteemed women in the state these are women who are at the top of their careers. These are women who are entrepreneurs. These are women who have started nonprofits, successfully started nonprofits, mothers, wives, daughters, sisters, all the many hats that we wear. And the Women's Chamber is, uh, is, is recognizing us for those accolades and much, much more. Yeah, yeah. So it's so exciting. And um, I'm just so delighted to to see you amongst uh, those women. And uh, it well deserved. Uh, you deserve to be right there with them. Thank you. So how would you define uh, powerful? What does it mean to be powerful in your mind? So I think on the surface, we think about power and tie it immediately to position. And while that is some of it, I think once we dig a little bit deeper that power, in my opinion, is knowing who you are, first and foremost, knowing who you are and owning it and walking in whatever that authenticity is about you because you're unique. And a lot of times what happens is when we get these recognitions or when we're climbing the corporate ladder or trying to be the superstar at our colleges and universities, we'll find ourselves starting to assimilate Mm -hmm. and blend in. And that's not necessarily powerful to me. I would also say that uh, power is understanding that all you do is win. Similar to what that song says, all you all I do is win. All you do is win because if you're not winning, then you're learning something. Failure is not an option when when you're a powerful person, right? Um, but we do fail. But when we fail, what are we doing with that failure? We're learning. So all you do is win. And when you're not winning, you are absolutely learning something. Okay. We're not going to call it a failure because yeah. it's too negative. Well, am I too old to recognize the song that you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I would give you a little excerpt, but I don't think your audience is uh, ready okay. for that. If, I, if it's not on the old school or the Christian or the talk station, I probably don't know the song. <laughs> it, it, it's relatively new, and I might be dating myself, too. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, is very, it was a very popular song. Um, get hype song okay. if you will all right, all right. well <laughs> and, go ahead and I would also say that being powerful is uh, not being afraid to be the only person to stand in opposition in a room mm. again going back to that conformity and that blending in sometimes when you're in a room full of people and everybody's agreeing or disagreeing on a topic it's mm-hmm. easy just to fall in line and fall in cadence with that and I would say that being powerful is 
being able to stand in opposition regardless of what other opinions might be mm -hmm. power is beauty to me and it radiates from within it's not necessarily something that people can see on the outside and finally i would say the last piece of my definition of power and being powerful is having a heart to give and being a servant to others. Uh, I think that is overlooked in so many ways. And going back to the Chamber Award, one of the criteria of that award was how do we, as Colorado's top 25 most powerful women, how do we give back to the community? How do we serve the community that we're in? Mm -hmm. So I would absolutely say that that is an aspect of being powerful as oh, well. Wow, outstanding. Uh, very well said, couldn't have said it better. Uh, and wouldn't have thought of all those aspects of power. So someone who doesn't have the position and standing that we might normally associate with power can really begin to uh, cultivate and nurture their power based on the definition that you've given. The more they truly are themselves and true to themselves and uh, uh, pursue self-awareness and really, as you said, own it, that makes them powerful. So anyone from the youngest listener we might have to the oldest person in any uh, walk of life can can walk in their own power. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that those seeds of power can be planted at and instilled at a very young age and talking to our children and allowing and letting them know that it's okay to be who you are and it's okay to walk in your power, but it's also okay to pull back on your power too. And being able to discern when those situations are right and when those when there's opportunity to do that, mm -hmm. I think that's the important piece of mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. That's outstanding. And so again, um, there's really no difference uh, in power for young versus old. It really is just how, how it uh, plays out, what context in which they're exercising that power. Um, this is the top 25 most powerful women. How would you say power might look different between men and women or is it the same as well? Based off of some of the definition criteria, um, I wouldn't say that it differs at all. I, I think that in our society and in most cultures around the world would argue that there is a difference between the power of a man and the power of a woman. But again, I feel like that's superficial. Um, when we uncover all and peel back all of those layers, at the end of the day, I think we have equal opportunity for quote unquote power and we can exert it and walk in it I don't want to say identically, identically, but we can walk in it in mere, yes, mm -hmm. that, that's a great word, Equiv <laughs> yes, Equiv <laughs> equivocally. <laughs> um, so no, I don't think there's, there's a huge difference outside of the way that we perceive it and perception is reality. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, the surface, yes, but peeling back those layers, absolutely not. Yeah. All right. Well, one of the criteria for the award that you're receiving, the honor that you're receiving is giving, and you started a nonprofit foundation called She Thing, which uh, gives power, freedom, and opportunity to adolescent girls and women who cannot afford or do not have access to menstrual products. Now, this is not a topic that usually gets spoken about, uh, especially not on the radio and certainly just not even amongst ourselves. How did you get interested in this? Years ago, I was talking to a friend about uh, just philanthropy work. And I mentioned to her that I have always been highly interested in helping women. And if I could do anything, I would want to do something that helped women and only women and not to sound exclusionary or discriminate against men. But 
women go through a lot. <laughs> and um, being a woman and having daughters, it was very important to me that I did whatever philanthropy work that I was going to be fully engaged in, that it absolutely helped women. So I toyed with the idea of what I could do to help women. And the one thing <laughs> that separates a woman from a man from birth is a uterus right <laughs> and regardless of what changes we might go through um, during our growth as a person and a as a human um, that's the one thing that separates us mm -hmm. and 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 because of that I decided to to help women um, and and supply them with menstrual supplies mm -hmm. and I, some of your listeners may have been in situations where they have needed it and not <laughs> had it. Yes. And that's a terrible position to yes. be in. And even thinking back on some of my youth and adolescent days, um, the unexpected surprise right. um, and just being prepared and, and knowing that if you're prepared and you're educated about it, that is, again, where that power lies. Right. So to be able to furnish and help these women in this way and, and supply a need that's not necessarily thought about on the top of people's mm -hmm. minds. People think about clothes, they think about toys, they, they even think about diapers, mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily think about the, the process that a woman goes through, every woman around the world. It doesn't matter your race, right. it doesn't matter if you're rich, it doesn't matter if you're poor, we all can relate to mm -hmm. that. And so when, when we think about donating coats and shoes and gloves during the winter time, but this is a year-round need that especially a woman who has limited resources, who may even be experiencing homelessness, this is something she really needs. She needs. We, if, if you have had a menstrual cycle, you know how critical it is to have these, these products, these clean, sanitary products. Mm -hmm. You mentioned homeless women. Homeless women are managing their periods in unimaginable ways. And not only is it unsafe and unsanitary, but it leads to certain health issues that uh, they ordinarily wouldn't be exposed to if they had access to those clean supplies. Mm -hmm. So this isn't just about menstruation. Mm -hmm. This is a health issue and it's also an economic issue. And it, also a dignity issue. Absolutely yeah. a dignity issue. Um, our vision is to empower the lives of women to live full productive lives, period. Mm -hmm. And that's it. if you're able to manage, whether it's the pain, whether it's the flow, then you are empowered and it does restore that dignity to be able to go back to work, mm -hmm. to be able to go to school. Excellent. And um, listeners, if you'd like to uh, learn more about SheThing, as it's called, uh, Nick, how can people reach out to you, make a donation, learn more about it? We're all over the internet, www.shething.org. And you can follow us on social media at We Are SheThing. And that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right. Well, and speaking of social media, uh, you were a YouTuber from the early beginning, or at least as far as I know. Um, 
because I don't know too much about <laughs> social media. I remember the first time I ever heard of Twitter. I was at a meeting of um, the Colorado Association of Black Journalists, and some uh, one of the young students there said, oh, everyone needs to get on Twitter. And I was like, what is Twitter? <laughs> and um, even in my ignorance, I went home and I signed up for Twitter, and I was able to get at Dr. Pegg, which from what I understand, that's pretty good. No, that's excellent. There are other Dr. Peggs out there, but I'm the original and real Dr. Pegg, <laughs> if anyone right. wants to know. Uh, and I decided I wanted to be the top result when someone searched for Dr. Pegg. And so I started being very intentional about my online presence. I had Facebook. I had Twitter. Uh, you got involved with YouTube from the early beginning. We only have about a, a minute left, and we'll continue talking about this after the break. But um, tell me about that. How did you discover YouTube? I discovered YouTube uh, through blogging. I started off as a blogger, and I literally used YouTube as a way to amplify my blog. Mm. And from that, it's just grown tremendously into helping women discover things about themselves that they didn't know existed uh, in inspiring women. And that's really what my platform is about. Uh, yeah, YouTube back in the day, it was mm -hmm. it was good to be there. Yeah. Um, it's very different now in 2018. Mm -hmm. And so this is what's called our, our digital footprint is that you're all over social media. Uh, we can find you at, you know, I, Nick Scott, and, and we are She Thing. Um, that's our digital footprint. So I'll have you explain what that means uh, to me and others who may not fully understand it uh, when, we when we return. I'm speaking with uh, Nick Scott. She's a media personality and social media strategist, and she'll be with us for the full hour. We'll be back after this message from our sponsor. Stay with us. Are you prepared for a sudden cardiac arrest? Having an AED is simply not enough. School athletic coaches are required to have CPR and AED training, but they can only save a life with properly functioning and maintained equipment. Maintain compliance and reduce your liability with AED program management from SSI Guardian. Buy an AED and receive a two-year management program for free. Call us today at 877-878-5800 or visit us at SSIGuardian.com. You can learn a lot about yourself and God from a dog. When her children asked for a dog, this mom got them gerbils. So imagine their surprise and hers when she adopted an abandoned dog that she met in Dallas, Texas, just one day after her divorce. In a way that only God could orchestrate, her spur of the moment decision to take in a little dog she named Dallas was just the beginning of a seven year journey that transformed her life and taught her to see herself and God in a whole new light. Read Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love and Loss I Learned from My Dog, a delightful and heartwarming book by psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Part memoir, part Christian inspiration, Doggy Tales is a must read for anyone who wants to learn to recognize God's voice, even in the most unlikely places. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll love Doggy Tales. Go to drpegradio.com books to purchase your copy today. Threats at our schools and workplace continue at an alarming rate and require an innovative approach to overall institutional safety. A 21st century safe school needs the right training, the right equipment, and the correct action plan to achieve a future-ready, safe learning environment. SSI Guardian's comprehensive, evidence-based solutions and Tier 1 Security Consulting is the only active shooter training in America with an accredited CEU. Don't trust your safety to just anyone. SSI Guardian is the only choice. Visit us at SSIGuardian.com. 
Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Uh, we're at the end of January, and maybe you need some help sticking with your goals for 2018. If so, I'd like to invite you to my Do Something Different for a Change workshop on Saturday, February 17th, 2018, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Your workshop registration is only $17 and includes a signed copy of my book, Do Something Different for a Change. The workshop will be held at Colorado Christian Fellowship in Aurora, Colorado. Register for this fun and informative workshop at drpegradio.com different. I'm speaking with Nick Scott today, and our conversation is pre-recorded, but if you'd like to make a comment or say hello, just look for me all over social media. We're talking about digital footprints. Uh, search for Dr. Peg on Facebook and Twitter are my, my favorites, and I'll talk with Nick about should I be on any other social media regularly besides that. But thanks, Nick, for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. And congrats on your big honor as one of the top 25 most powerful women in Colorado with the Colorado Women's Chamber of Commerce. Thank you so much. Well, let's talk about that digital footprint when you say you can find me all over, you know, social media, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, uh, the at sign, hashtag sign, I don't know the difference. Uh, talk about what that digital footprint really is and um, why it's good to have one. Sure. The, the digital footprint is, in a nutshell, the information that can be found and that is left on the World Wide Web. And that's the WWW, right? Mm -hmm. And that's information that you put on the web or other people put on the web about mm. you. So we're talking news articles, media hits. Those are all a part of your, your digital footprint that you didn't necessarily populate on the Internet. Mm -hmm. And this day, it's just all about digital. Digital. And if you aren't necessarily on the web, if you're not actively putting information on the web, it's almost like you don't exist. And for <laughs> some people, that's fine. But for most of us that are still working and making a living, uh, I, the having a digital footprint is definitely something that you want to be mindful of. And it's advantageous for you. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about some of the strategies and ways to leverage that that um, uh, uh, digital footprint for especially business people in, in our last segment. Uh, but interestingly, when I think about my very closest friends in life, very few of them are on social media. Mm -hmm. And that struck me as really interesting. Mm -hmm. And it, most of them are very stable in their careers. They haven't really changed jobs or they've kind of, they love where they are. They're not looking to be found by a headhunter. And so they really have no interest in being on social media. They're private. They don't want to have their children's pictures out there mm -hmm. for the world to see. And I just thought that was interesting as I reflected on my uh, closest friends. Most of them are not participating in this uh, in this arena. It is definitely something that, in, in terms of social media, it is definitely something that is generational. Mm. And whether or not you want to be on it, and it's very personal, right? When we're talking about social media, I would say that that is a part of a digital footprint, but that's not the whole of a digital footprint. Because again, it's the information that you put on the, right. on the internet and the information that people put on the internet about you. Mm -hmm. So surely some of your friends work with companies that have a company website mm -hmm. and they are likely in high 
powerful positions like yourself and their names and their pictures and their Mm -hmm. professional biographies are going to be on that professional website. Some of your listeners might be familiar with whitepages.com. And that is a website, the old phone book, remember Mm -hmm. the white pages. It's exactly what that is. It's a digital version where Mm -hmm. people can go in and type in a name and pull up all this information about you, um, your address, your phone number. It's again, it's a, virt- a virtual phone book. Right. So the information that you put on the internet about you, and also the information that exists that other people put right. out there about and you. And we tend to put the information about ourselves through social media, yes. unless you are a blogger, or for example, I have my my um, archives of my radio program are on my website and on SoundCloud. And so I'm putting that information out there apart from my Facebook or Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's still going to be information out there. How do we uh, leverage or manipulate that information to create our brand? And we'll, we'll talk more about that you know, in, in detail later. But just kind of in a nutshell, how do you take charge of all of that to your advantage? The first thing that I would recommend is uh, Google yourself mm-hmm. and Google yourself okay. often. That's okay. something that people don't do enough of. And what you'll find is when you Google your name, and especially if you have a unique name. Mm-hmm. My name is Nick Scott and I Google Nick Scott quite often. And there's obviously a few other Nick Scotts in the United States and around the world, but largely the content that is populated is content about me. Mm-hmm. The content that I don't want out there, I can work to remove it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of times it is the content that I put out there. And mm-hmm. that to me is really the sweet spot of having a digital footprint right. and managing your social and media so profiles. letting that rise to the top. And that was my goal early on is when someone Googles Dr. Pegg, there are other Dr. Peggs out there who might be physicians or in other arenas. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you Google Dr. Pegg and listeners, you can try it right now while you're listening. I come to the top That's and most right. of it is information I put out there. Now you talked about removing information. So there, there are consequences of not managing it properly or at the very least knowing what's out there. I had a guest uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Darius Chisholm, who was the victim of um, a cy- cyber sexual assault, and she had to pay a service to remove the images uh, that were put out there by a, a, an angry ex-boyfriend. He took uh, nude pictures of her while she was sleeping uh, without her awareness or permission. And after they broke up, uh, tried to you know threaten her and manipulate her and put that information out there, those photos out there. So she paid a service to have them taken down and, and removed. So that's, you know, that's in the extreme. Um, but certainly if there's negative information or unflattering information, one way to resolve it is by pushing out our own narrative. Uh, and having that rise to the top in those searches. That's right. Uh, I work in marketing and communications and being able to own that conversation is essential to any brand. Yeah, so let's talk about for parents and you have two uh, daughters, uh, teenagers. Um, What do we need to to tell our young people about their digital uh, footprint and their digital online digital reputation because they're putting all kinds of they're the ones putting all kinds of stuff out there about themselves we don't have to worry about what other people are putting they're doing it what do parents uh, need to tell their children uh, very clearly and carefully 
I would recommend, first of all, to have conversations with your children. And you mentioned I have two teenage daughters. This is true. (laughs) (laughs) And I started having conversations with them at a very early age. And I would imagine that a lot of parents who have toddlers now, those toddlers have iPads that they're engaging on social media, even if it's watching the YouTube channel that's built strictly for children. Mm -hmm. That is a social media platform. But start talking to your children at a very early age about the impacts of social media, because we've all heard the horror stories. We've all seen them all over the news and it happens all over the world. But that kind of stuff can be prevented. And it's not saying that your child won't get in the groove or in the mix and accidentally post something or leave their profiles unlocked. Uh, That's a simple way is to just lock your profile. Um, Have a conversation with them about that. Again, this isn't a failure. These are learning opportunities. So let me interrupt you. How do you what do you mean by lock your profile? So on most social media platforms that this youngest generation, Gen Z, (laughs) are are active on, they can make their profiles public or they can make their profiles private. And a private profile actually allows that your child to accept or decline who follows them. Mm-hmm. And for me as a as a mother and as a mother of young girls, I find that to be extremely important because I know that there's people who disguise themselves mm. as children and they prey on our young people. So having these real raw conversations mm-hmm. about what's happening on social media, pulling up some videos and movies, they all love YouTube and videos, take that t- as a learning opportunity and a teach- teachable moment to talk to your kids about managing their social media profile because the truth of the matter is, as popular as Snapchat is and Instagram stories and these things disappear mm-hmm. magically after 24 hours, people delete things off of their accounts all the time. Anyone who's savvy enough can find whatever it is years and years and years ago mm-hmm. about you on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And this is very important for our young people who are who have aspirations to go to college, who have mm-hmm. aspirations to obtain a job at the mall. The first thing people do, they're Googling you. So again, go back to Googling yourself. Mm -hmm. Teach your child how to Google themselves and see what content is out there. Because again, even though it's not something that they might have put out there, Mm -hmm. someone else may have put it out there on on their behalf. Right. So we want to Google ourselves and have our young people do that on a regular basis. Uh, Review and change privacy controls. Um, Delete questionable posts and photos. That's pretty simple. You can take control of that, even if it may have been screenshotted or people do have ways of getting uh, information that's been posted uh, in the past, but at least we can minimize who gets to see it if we delete it. Um, Just being mindful of how you interact with others online. That's something I personally am very mindful of. I'm not going to like certain things, even if I find it funny, because I just am saying, well, is that the impression I want to give? Right. You know, if it's lewd or or profane. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so being mindful of how you're interacting, even if you're not posting it on your page, what are you commenting on and liking for other people might be a good uh, thing to talk about with young people. And how uh, what you post might be interpreted by others. Absolutely. You might have one intention, but it gets perceived quite differently. Absolutely. Um, and then I think a, a, a real good um, rule of thumb is, unless you're branding yourself intentionally, avoid referencing your school. 
your place of employment or your role at work, and this is for adults as well. Don't badmouth the boss and mention the company while you're at work on social media. That's right, <laughs> and definitely don't go, go on your company's social media profiles <laughs> and leave negative commentary because that can come back and bite you also. Right, right. Well, I'm just amazed at how many people are posting on social media while they're at work and during because <laughs> I work for myself from home. And so I, I can post whenever I want, it, as long as it's not during the show, but I can post about the show and my right. guests during the show while I'm working. But most people you know, nine to five, roughly, you'll see them posting all throughout all the day, day long. unless they're savvy enough to have scheduled their posts. That's, and right. that's something we can talk about as well. Well, uh, let's talk also about recognizing online behavior, behaviors of concern. Uh, have you ever um, seen a post of uh, from one of your children or someone you know that actually had you concerned, maybe even a friend? Yes, yes. Uh, Several years ago, um, one of my young nieces was on social media and she posted something that I felt was not appropriate. And, and the way that I went about addressing it was not necessarily reaching out to the child, but reaching out to the parent mm -hmm. to alert, like, did you know that your, your daughter or your son had this social media profile. And mm -hmm. if you do, how often are you checking it? Mm -hmm. We do in my house what I call phone checks. It's just random. Mm -hmm. You could be in the middle of sending a text That's message <laughs> and I'm pulling that phone and looking at what you're Love texting, it. who you're texting, and I'm going through all of your social mm -hmm. media profiles. And how do your daughters respond to that or they're just used to it? They're now? used to it by now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they're probably mindful about what, what kind of conversations they're having and photos they're sharing if they know mom or dad can pull their phone without any notice. They have to be, and, and Dr. Pig, I have to be honest, that doesn't stop them from trying to create uh, secret accounts that we don't necessarily know about, but I also try to teach my children what's done in the dark, mm -hmm. it always comes to light. Yes. So you might get away with it for, you know, a month or two or maybe even a year, mm -hmm. but we're going to find out about it. And how would you feel when we have to sit down and have this conversation? Mm -hmm. So I try to teach my kids that self-accountability and that ownership of their digital right. footprint. As we all should be accountable. And my twins are 23 years old now, but when they were first on Facebook, I had these conversations with them just uh, didn't have the benefit of hearing from an expert like you or reading anything about it. Just kind of my intuition told me I need to talk to them about this. And I was mindful of what I was putting on social media because I knew I was an example to them. I couldn't tell them That's one thing and then I was doing something different. So I made sure there was nothing on my profile that I wouldn't want my children to see or read. Uh, and I, I, you know, had these conversations with them, checked on their profiles on a very regular basis and started noticing they were posting less and less and less mm -hmm. on Facebook and kind of disappeared. Well, un unbeknownst to me, they had moved over to Instagram, which right. was new at the time and didn't tell me, started their own profiles and did their own thing. And I knew nothing of it. So, you know, on, on its face, it looked like they were on the up and up and not doing much on Facebook, but they had this whole other, mm -hmm. you know, activity going on on Instagram. So that's certainly something for us to be mindful of is there's new social media platforms coming out all, all the, the time, time that our kids know about, but we might be clueless. And it's it really is our job to stay on top of these things. Absolutely. Anytime our kids are engaged in something for so many hours in a day, and it is social media, just like we check on our kids, how was your day at school? 
mm-hmm. because they spend so much time at school and away from us or if they're engaged in a sport, how was practice? We should have conversations about social media because they're immersed in it mm-hmm. literally from the time they wake up in a lot of cases mm-hmm. to the time that they go to bed and even throughout even the school day sle- and at even school. while they're sleeping, <laughs> right. their phones are going off. Well, it's so important to, to be aware of what our kids are doing. Have these conversations where they're accountable and they understand the reasons why we're concerned. Uh, but we also know that some people post information online prior to a violent attack, for example. And this behavior is referred to as leakage, where um, a person intentionally or unintentionally reveals clues to feelings, thoughts, fantasies, attitudes, or intentions that may signal an impending violent act. And leakage can take the form of subtle threats, of innuendo, um, and it often expresses themes of violence, despair, suicide, and we'll see those things online. We'll see someone sounding suicidal or posting photos that concern us, and we just keep scrolling. So what I want to encourage folks to do is if you see something, like Homeland Security says, if you see something, say something. Whether if it's a young person, you speak to their parents. If it's someone who's your contemporary, you reach out to them. Hey, I noticed you posted this on social media. I'm concerned. What does it mean? And see what they say. And if, um, if you don't get a response that you like or that really concerns you, to follow up on that. No, that's great. So that's important, not just for our young people, but uh, for, for our adult friends as well, because people are depressed, people are out there struggling. We're going to take a break to hear from our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who has advanced training to learn how to identify indicators of potential violence and how to respond to, report, and refer concerning behavior. Go to SSIGuardian.com to learn more. Stay with us. We'll be back with Nick Scott when we return. Schools are increasingly adopting 21st century learning strategies. However, safety largely remains absent from the conversation and fragmented efforts continue allowing for security gaps. Studies show effective learning can only exist when students and teachers feel safe. As the industry leader providing innovative educational solutions for more than 58 years, School Specialty has created the 21st Century Safe School, which aligns next generation learning best practices with proven safety solutions focused on the mental, physical, and emotional being of every student, teacher, and school employee. From early childhood solutions to advanced training for teachers and administrators, the 21st Century Safe School is the most complete and comprehensive approach available to schools and universities. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the safest environment. Take action today by calling us at 877-878-5800 and learn more about this innovative approach at SSIGuardian.com. What if a psychologist with years of clinical teaching experience wrote a book revealing secrets that therapists know but usually don't share? And what if that book provided strategies for experiencing change and transformation? That's exactly what you get with Dr. Pegg's book, Do Something Different for a Change, an insider's guide to what your therapist knows but may not tell you. Celebrating 10 years in print, this self-help classic shares insights and strategies to help you overcome 
with the three common barriers to change. Heal your emotional pain and emptiness and strengthen your connection to your true self and others. In the easy to understand, down-to-earth style she's known for, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark clearly communicates fundamental principles related to change and reveals secrets your therapist knows but may not tell you. Read Do Something Different for a Change today and have a better tomorrow. Go to drpegradio.com books to purchase your copy today. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. I've been speaking with Nick Scott about the power of social media, both its positive and negative impacts. And our conversation's pre-recorded, but if you'd like to connect with Nick Scott or share this interview with a friend, go to drpegradio.com for the program archives. And if you want to ensure that you reach your goals this year, register for my February 17th Do Something Different for a Change workshop. Just go to drpegradio.com different to register today. Well, we talked about quite a few really important things, Nick, in our previous uh, segment. Uh, we talked about uh, how to protect our kids from um, posting inappropriate things and having those conversations and helping them understand um, to how they can be accountable and um, that there are consequences. Uh, and I ended the segment talking about when we see concerning things posted online that may even indicate violence towards others or towards oneself, and that we really have to take that so seriously. We've seen so many cases of uh, targeted attacks of violence where there was a manifesto of sorts posted online prior or concerning images, concerning uh, commentary, and um, people saw that but did nothing about it. Doesn't mean necessarily the violence could have been stopped, but possibly it could have been. We never want to ignore that. Uh, so one thing I want to talk about uh, also, though, is we're talking about kids and we're talking about kind of these violent extremes, but what about um, an adult who maybe as a younger person before they really realized uh, the, the consequences or had the maturity to make better decisions, what if they have some things posted on social media from their past? May not be as extreme as, as what I shared with Dareth Chisholm who had photos posted, nude photos against her will and she had them scrubbed. She paid a service to scrub them. But what if we just have youthful indiscretions? You know, I always say it's a good thing social media wasn't around when I was younger. I'm, Me I'm, too. I'm quite a bit older than you. Um, people had video cameras, but there was nowhere to really right. post them. You just might show them to a friend. Um, so what do we do when we have those quote unquote youthful <laughs> indiscretions uh, that are out there on social media may not even be anything that we remotely are involved in today, but it's out there kind of floating around waiting to, <laughs> to resurface. I think the great thing about being young <laughs> is also could be considered the worst thing about being young, right? You're free spirited, you f just go with the flow and you just you just do you don't really overthink things you just do it. And I would say to those youthful indiscretions, it's a good thing that we've all been young before. First and foremost, mm -hmm. we've all been young before and we know what it's like to not have our brains fully developed yes. at a certain <laughs> period in, in, in our lives. And in terms of posting things on social media, whether it was intentionally or unintentionally, I go back to Google yourself. Mm. Because the great thing about social media in this day and age is that it is largely dependent on what's called in 
in the business, uh, search engine optimization. Mm -hmm. SEO. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you Google yourself and you're finding some some complimentary things Mm -hmm. about yourself that don't necessarily speak to those youthful indiscretions, I wouldn't worry about it. Because what happens and with the internet is unless someone is constantly talking about what you did 25 mm. years ago, it, was there social media? Mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> um, it's not going to show up mm-hmm. right away. So even when someone is Googling you, just the average person, um, I consider myself to be an average user of the internet and of social media. If I, if it's not at the in the top first or second pages, nobody's looking back in page 25. Right. However, just with the caveat saying that anyone, again, who's savvy enough, and these are those super smart people that are probably in college at Harvard or or one of those wonderful Ivy League schools um, developing the next Facebook or the next YouTube, they'll be able to find it. But again, those aren't your average human resources personnel or even your kid who might be on the internet like, well, let's find out about mommy. (laughs) Right, right. They might not necessarily find it. Well, I've taken your advice and do it all the time. I Google myself and I do click through until I can't, you know, until I'm bleary eyed. I click all the way through until I'm just bored with seeing, you know, what's there. And there's some actress named Peggy Mitchell, evidently, who's in some tv show in england called the east enders so she'll stop po- start popping up around the third page okay. and then i get bored reading about her but yeah i click all the way through for this reason to know is there anything pushed down far that i want to see not that i believe anything negative is out there but what's what's really far out there in on page eight of mm-hmm. the search mm-hmm. search results so that's great advice uh you know recent studies have shown that social media may have a negative impact on young people's social interactions, you mentioned brain development, and even their mental health, but there are also some positive benefits of social media, and we've kind of talked about them in terms of branding and and that kind of thing. Um, So understanding the data on the positive and negative impact of social media on young people's mental health and emotional well-being can help parents and educators and even young people themselves engage in safe and responsible social media usage. So let's talk a little bit about some of the negative impacts of social media. Uh, And then we'll talk about the positive and switch gears and look at uh, for adult professionals as well. Uh, But research has shown some of the negative impacts for teens who spend more screen time than average on activities, including social media, uh, that they're more likely uh, to um, experience depression and loneliness and even have higher risk factors for suicide. Uh, and this can be a, 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 growing, a growing concern. Um, what are some things that, um, that you would want the listeners to know in terms of the effect of uh, social media in particular on uh, young people's mental health and emotional well-being? Sure. I, I, I know for a fact that more than 90% of our young people are using social media on a regular basis up to 10 hours a day again from the time they open their eyes and even some of us are guilty of this grabbing our Mm -hmm. smartphones or our iPads and being on them and engaged actively engaged with them Mm -hmm. it's one thing to have social media but to be actively engaged in it is is, all day different and all day long so these young people are on these platforms and it does lead to some negative things Um, you mentioned depression Um, I, I I, I can see how, how that can can take a toll on one's self-esteem, but it mm-hmm. also uh, is linked to 
cases of higher anxiety, mm-hmm. um, attention deficit disorder. Uh, while it's great to be able to multitask, you know, scrolling through your phone and listening to someone talk to you at the same time, mm-hmm. but it does it increase those anxiety rates. It, ma- it mm-hmm. makes us more anxious. It's hard for us at night to wind down mm-hmm. and get the sufficient amount of sleep that right. we might need yeah. as an adult and as a growing person, child. Yeah. And also, you know, you mentioned anxiety, that uh, fear of missing out, F-O-M-O, FOMO, FOMO. <laughs> hashtag FOMO, <laughs> that uh, they don't want to put the phones down because they're afraid they may miss something. That's they, right. This is how young people communicate today. This is how they find out about the parties and, and the kickbacks, I've been told, is what they're what they're called now. Uh, but uh, she's laughing at me. <laughs> you, you have teenagers, so you know all this. This is new to me. And so... Um, uh, th- that fear of missing out, that anxiety, that um, comparison trap. And, and uh, we know that um, people are taking 100 photos to get the one that they post that looks the best. And then they're counting those likes. And it's kind of that validation of, yeah, I, I'm somebody that, that other people like. So it, we can easily see how too much engagement in social media can be detrimental. Absolutely. And that lack of human connection, I think, mm-hmm. is something that's not talked about enough. Uh, We are humans. We are mammals (laughs) scientifically, which means we're animals. And animals, uh, mammals, are pack animals in Mm. general. And we're tribal. Um, And I I think that disconnecting from Mm. that human element and and getting your validation from a machine, Mm -hmm. um, from a device, it, it, can, it can lead down a very, very scary path. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that you can probably speak to the importance of human connection, not from just an infancy standpoint, but as an adult, mm-hmm. how important that is for us to have that human connection and being disconnected from that and getting all of our news and yeah. and, ev- and our conversations and the way we communicate mm-hmm. is through these devices. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of scary. And that's not even to mention cyberbullying. I've alluded mm-hmm. to that with um, talking about my uh, previous guest who was a victim of cyber sexual harassment, a form of cyberbullying. Uh, so that's certainly a concern. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a study that was done by the Royal Society for Public Health and um, they published a report on the five most popular social media platforms in the UK. And they looked at Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and YouTube, and they ranked these five social media platforms according to the degree of impact, both positive and negative. And so what do you think was ranked the worst uh, social media platform in terms of um, negative impacts on young people. Without even thinking too long about it, I'm going to say Instagram. Okay. And which do you think was ranked most positive? Again, without thinking too, too much about it, I will say YouTube because oh, okay. I love it. All right. Well, you get an A+. <laughs> Instagram was ranked the worst. Snapchat was ranked the second worst mm-hmm. for having a negative impact on anxiety, which you mentioned, depression, loneliness, sleep, body image, bullying, and FOMO, fear of missing out among young people. And not surprisingly to you, YouTube was ranked as having the most positive impact on young people's health and well-being, with Twitter ranked as having the second most positive impact. So Facebook was kind of in the middle, which is interesting because it has features of everything. You can watch videos on Facebook. Um, Certainly, you can post photos and all of that. Um, So 
uh, YouTube was ranked as having the most positive because they, they said that you could share uh, videos that are health promoting, all the things that you do, Nick, with your YouTube platform to help empower people, educate them about any topic imaginable. And so they, they found that that had the, um, the most positive impact. So you, you've been on a platform for all these years that really can make a difference, can really reach the world. Um, let's talk about some um, recommendations for social media usage for adults and professionals. How do we leverage our digital footprint? Uh, what, um, what social media platform should we even be on? I'm on Facebook. I have a YouTube ch channel. I have Twitter. I have an Instagram, but I, I have zero posts on Instagram, but I actually have followers on Instagram, even though I don't even use it. They'll find you. <laughs> so what, what should we be doing if you're someone like me or a business owner or you're uh, working for a company and you want to advance your career and you're, you want headhunters to find you? How do we leverage social media as uh, professionals? I came up with what I call the five Bs. Okay. The B-E's, right? So you need to be consistent you need to be active on these social media platforms because a lot of times we will create them and then they'll <laughs> just sit dormant. I'm guilty of that. I think we all are. <laughs> <laughs> but you also have to be thoughtful mm. about what you're posting and be purposeful mm. about when you're posting. Mm -hmm. um, Increasingly, social media is starting to prioritize mm -hmm. and deprioritize co content. So you want to be purposeful mm -hmm. about the timing of those posts. And you want to be connected. You want to be connected with the right people who are in your industry. Who are those thought leaders? Who are those superstars in your industry? Who are those fans of yours that are commenting and liking and engaging with your posts, be connected with them. Mm -hmm. those, are, those are good tips. Consistent, active, thoughtful purposeful and connected. Yes. All right. So you talked about um, how things are changing. For example, Facebook announced, you know, that they're changing the way that their algorithms are going to work and they want to actually encourage people to be connected with people they know because they're aware of these negative impacts on our mental health and our emotional well-being and they're supposedly, ostensibly trying to do something about it. I, I'm, I'm suspicious. There's probably some profit motive somehow that we don't see yet. But on its face, they're saying they're changing, you know, what's going to be prioritized. Can you talk a little bit about that? For I've seen a lot of people on my timeline who are frustrated with what they're seeing on their timelines since the changes have come through on Facebook. So Facebook is built on a very sophisticated algorithm. And while it may seem like they're transparent about that algorithm by posting things on their blog and on their own Facebook pages and Mark Zuckerberg were <laughs> constantly asked to follow him on Facebook, um, Facebook is a business. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it boils down to ad dollars. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that Facebook has been able to do that I would say no other social media platform like it has been able to do and that is anticipate its customers needs mm. this is a website the same as your website the same as my website but all of the content that's there is posted by its users what a brilliant genius idea you're not paying for people to post their pictures and once you post them facebook actually kind of owns right. them well let me tell you a cartoon i saw years ago was uh, some pigs going into the slaughterhouse and they're like wow they fed us they put the roof over our heads this this is great and the caption said uh when it's free you're what's for sale <laughs> you are, and, we're, and we are <laughs> and for that's, sale that's basically facebook yeah. right right and in separating those news feeds i think it is their their effort 
to let us know that they are anticipating our needs and they do want to serve us more of the content that we want to mm. see. Um, it's bad for us as businesses and entrepreneurs and brands because now we have to pay to play. Where in the past, we had a good chance of getting in front of our audiences. But again, I go back to that initial answer to the question. Facebook is a business and mm -hmm. it's about the dollars. Yeah. So how do we decide which social media platform we should be using? You said be consistent, be active, whatever we're using, we should be on it. But do you have any recommendations of of which platforms are best? Yeah, I, I would say whichever one you're most comfortable with and which one is right for you and your business. Mm -hmm. um, it really depends on the business industry. There's all kinds of social media apps out there. Musical.ly is one that comes to mind right away. And that one is specifically for people in the entertainment mm. industry. But if there's just one, if I had a blanket answer, mm -hmm. I would say Facebook okay. because it is the giant. Okay. Now, what about MySpace, though? Whatever happened to MySpace? <laughs> and, and what's the new big trend in social media? You're shaking your head. Is, does MySpace even exist? Is anyone still on it? That I don't know. The ones who have eight track players in their car. Right. <laughs> I, uh, unlike Facebook, MySpace was just not savvy <laughs> enough to anticipate its users' needs. It wasn't forward-thinking enough, and they couldn't keep up with, with, with what its users wanted, so it went away. Went the, away. the users spoke, and now it's gone. Yeah. So Facebook, if you're going to do nothing else, if that's the only one. I would say so. Best. In terms of SEO and social media footprint and digital branding, it's the giant. All right. Great. Well, I'm on Facebook.com slash Dr. Peg. That's right. <laughs> so check me out there. Uh, do you have any New Year's resolutions, Nick? I don't necessarily do resolutions. Okay. I'm so goal-oriented. I always have a goal. All right. And that keeps you moving. Well, uh, thank you so much, Nick Scott, for being my guest today. This is very informative and enlightening. Thank you so much for having me today, Dr. Payne. You're welcome. Listeners, if you need help staying focused and goal-oriented like my guest, Nick Scott, my next personal transformation retreat is March 3rd in Denver. Go to drpegradio.com slash retreat to get more information. My guest has been Nick Scott, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Living Well with Dr. Peg. For more information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her mental health or consulting services, please visit her webpage at drpegradio.com.